0: gave me permission to do this oh my God. sometimes we're gonna laugh and sometimes we're gonna cry that's just the way it goes if you're ready to change the narrative shift your consciousness you are in the right place welcome to the jackie Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. I am so excited. And I know I say this on all my episodes, but this one really, you know, it, it touched me. It affected me. It impacted me personally. And I really want to share why. I've spoken about energy and I've been, you know, the, the work I've been doing with myself and, and, and my awareness and my consciousness for years but to really dive in as much as Dr. Sonia Jensen and I did today was so powerful and profound for me. You know, think about this. I know that our nervous system, you know, if we go through trauma or, or something terrible in our life, you know, our nervous system stores that. And being someone who has survived traumatic events in my life, I know that. When I finally got to a place of peace, it still took my nervous system time to catch up. I would still be triggered. I would still react because I felt unsafe because my nervous system had a memory. But it was so interesting to be able to connect with Sonia because we really explored, you know, real internal frequency. Meaning, not only does your nervous system have a memory, but your liver your lungs, your organs, the way they function is based on years and years of your conditioning, emotions, and frequency with them also, with them also. And to think about, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, you know, how we can heal ourselves with, with frequency and, and energy, this is where it begins, right? Right our frequency, our inner frequency, when we create a new neural pathway by changing a thought or a belief or a condition or taking an action that's different than the one before, right? But also, and this is interesting because let's talk about diets for a second. How many times do people you know, change their diet, but don't change their mindset. And if they don't change their mindset, their frequency remains the same. And they may not get up results or may get a little result, but their body's still storing you know, the weight. That's because of the frequency that the body's just used to, right? That's the energy that the body has told a story to that place. And now it's holding on to that weight, right? So it's interesting when someone goes through a weight loss journey and people say it was really my state of mind, right? Because your state of mind creates the frequency. Our thoughts create the emotions, the emotions create the vibration, the vibration is the frequency. So we really dive deep into our inner frequency today. And I want you guys to check out Dr. Sonia Jensen's book on Amazon, Woman Unleashed. Powerful, powerful, amazing read. And if for some reason you guys cannot afford it, please, I beg of you, this is such a gift to the world. Just send me a message on my Instagram, Jackie underscore Minsky. I would be more than happy to gift it. To you. So, with that being said, I really hope you guys love today's episode as much as I did. I really hope you guys really love Dr. Sonia Jensen. She was such a pleasure to get to know, to have on the show. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. I love you guys. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Jackie Minsky Show. If you are new, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're with me for a while, thank you so much for coming back. I'm excited for today's episode. I have naturopathic doctor, author of Woman Unleashed and podcast host to Health Ignited, which she does with her husband, Nick, Dr. Sonia. Jensen is here today. So, thank you so much for coming to the show. We have so much to unpack. So, it's an honor to have you.
1: Oh, it's an honor to be here. And I'm excited to unpack all the various layers and things that we're going to talk about.
0: So, before we begin, I actually, you know, I read the book um, Mm. and I love it. And I I would really love to start this episode with the poem you wrote in the beginning of the book, if I may. Mm. Yeah. As she walks this earth searching, she finds herself lost. She finds herself gasping for air, her moments stolen by lies, trapped in her prison of thoughts. She looks in the mirror, staring at a stranger, not knowing what is next, and hears a voice inside her head. Woman, you are not like the rest. She questions, she shames, she fills her cells with guilt, only to repeat the pattern again. Then she hears that voice from somewhere inside. Woman, this is not how you were built. She begins to remember that moment of light, born into this world feeling free. She aches for that connection, that belonging to the bliss, that feeling of being worthy. Woman, oh woman, where have you been? Hiding behind that mask. Woman, oh woman, come to your I am come find that love. You have woman. Oh, woman, it is time. You see you, my dear are the one who will help you be free.
1: Wow. I've never heard someone else say that to me. And I, you just brought tears to my eyes. Thank you.
0: I love that. And I, and I want to say, you know, as I was reading it and thinking about you being here, I just want to say, thank you. Um, Mm. Because I'm going through it recently. I'm going to start crying. We're just going to start crying. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) I'm recently going through that unlearning, unmasking, Mm -hmm. and to realize what divine timing and to have you here. So thank you for being a woman in the world who's done it before me to help Mm -hmm. other women.
1: Oh, thank you. And that just so validates for me what I still need to hear. You know, I still have that mask of not being able to receive. And so to hear that, I mean, that's my biggest hope with this book is to really show women that the power is there and that we can unlearn and that we can, can unravel these old stories that we've been told about ourselves to really tap into that essence that you just talked about. So thank you. Yeah.
0: So, thank you. Thank you. And I received that. So let's dive into your beginning, and then mm-hmm. go through so much, um, but mm-hmm. let's get into, you know, growing up, and I read in the book, you know, it started at age 13, and mm-hmm. all that, so so take me through your unmasking, and how you mm-hmm. got your start, and, and what made you want to become a naturopathic doctor?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, I think from a very young age, I always felt different, Like I always felt like I could see the world from a very different lens and I always questioned everything that was happening around me and not really realizing why I was questioning everything. And it really wasn't around the age of 13 when I was going through um, anorexia, had an eating disorder, and it just felt like life just wasn't the way it was meant to be. Like all parts of me knew that and I felt very much put in a box growing up in um, two different cultures, being first generation Indo-Canadian, not really knowing my role as a woman, because, you know, in our culture till this day, things are changing. But when a woman is born, a girl is born, she's considered a burden more than a gift. And when you have that imprint, and that's an imprint from my mother, my grandmother, great grandmother, that of caring for all of them. And at that time, at age 13, I really felt like being here was more painful than not being here. So I really wanted to take my life at that time. And there was this moment, though, of this, you know, call it divine intervention or whatever it was. But this feeling and this voice inside of me are like, you're not done. That like you are here for a reason that there's something else bigger for you that you're going to tap into. And all of this is a part of life, the pain, the struggle, that everything, the shadow is what's going to help build you up into what your gift is and not really realizing at that time that I was actually dealing with a big T trauma that had happened in my early years, around eight years old. And that was kind of stuck in my subconscious and that's what was steering my life and the lens through which I was looking at the world from. And then, you know, fast forward several years, I'm still living the life I'm supposed to live and doing all the things I'm supposed to do. You know, you go to school, you go to university, I'm gonna get a job, I have to be a doctor or a lawyer and, you know, chose the doctor route. And really before that, I really wanted to do something where i was working with others and really inviting them to tap into their power especially when it came to our bodies like i really understood that at a young age especially because i went through anorexia i understood how much of an impact that had on my mental health my relationships and everything and so i started going down this path of wanting to serve somehow and really the way i got into naturopathic school i accidentally called the wrong number one day And I started to talk to the woman that was there and understanding, well, what is naturopathic medicine? Like, how how can I help if I go down this route instead of medical doctor or occupational therapy or some of these other things that I was looking at, even massage therapy. And as I started to dive into, I'm like, okay, I'm in. And within two weeks, I changed the whole trajectory of where I was going. And then from there, like when you're in that kind of a program, it forces you to unravel the old stories, it forces you to look in the mirror when you're working with other women. And I started to see myself in them 20 years from now, like what my life was gonna look like and what my health was gonna look like. So that really forced me to question all of the decisions that I had made till that date, even the individual I'd married at that time, the life that I was living, the choices I made, and where I was. So it helped me really unravel that old conditioning to figure out who it is that I want to be and who I am really in my essence.
0: I love that so much, all of it. So, so let's start with the wrong number.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah,
0: right. You know, was it the wrong <laughs> number or was it part of the plan? Right? Um, but that divine voice and, and mm-hmm. knowing that you're meant for more, because I feel like a lot of women and men, but specifically, maybe the feminine energy, we we have that inner knowing. Mm. And we don't know, is this a voice should I listen to? Is that one? And for me personally, I'll share, you know, when I was going through my darkest time, I was crying really bad. Mm. And I had that tiny, tiny, and I argued with it, tiny voice. And it would say, you're gonna be okay. And I was like, no, I'm not. Like I would fight back. Mm. And I'm like, how am I gonna be okay? Right. <laughs> but take me to that feeling you had when the yeah. divine voice started speaking to you. And how can someone listening understand that's the divine voice?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Cause it's important to understand how we can discern between that voice and then the voice of the conditioning, right? The old beliefs. I find that voice is very steady and non-emotional. So there's no emotion behind it it just says things as they are and with acceptance and with love and with compassion there's no no attachment there's no nothing whereas i find when it's conditioning there's a lot of coulds shoulds woulds, like all these conditions that we have put on and there's this necessity to um really tap into that voice that is maybe based out of fear so there is this reaction that happens within the body but that other voice in its steadiness it's like our emotions don't even respond to it. it's more of this like observation of like who said that like where did that actually come from like i had a really deep experience of that just a few years ago and like being a mother of two young boys we were in italy and we were walking through florence and all of a sudden i looked at my older son and this voice says you're going to lose him today And, but my mother mind was like, no, no, be quiet. What are you talking about? He's fine. We're here. It's okay. But I knew something was going to happen within minutes. He was lost. We found him thankfully, but it was just such a confirmation for me of that voice and what that voice sounded like. And it really was this like steady knowing that this is it. Wow.
0: That's, that's so powerful. And That's the thing that that voice, you know, like you said, it's we hear that voice and then our conscious mind or our programming or our conditioning takes over. Mm -hmm. And I want to dive into this because this will lead into the hormones and to the, you know, the woman's body. But, you know, when you went through your divorce, you wrote, Mm -hmm. I feel as though I'm getting kicked out of my tribe and my survival was at risk, right? Mm-hmm. And anytime a woman starts to step into her own, that's that's the fear, the conditioning and years of this tribe or these masks or layers that we've gotten comfortable with. We don't know how to navigate through it. So take me through the process of you unlayering unmasking and shifting into that voice and leaning into that voice.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, it really did start with my training in naturopathic school. And like I was saying before, sitting in front of these other women that were mirroring for me, what life would look like if I didn't start looking within. And as I started to look within, I started to understand that the decisions I had made weren't serving me and weren't gonna serve the world in any way. And it wasn't fair for me and it wasn't fair for the individual I was with. And so when I went to my family and brought this up, it was a shock for them because on the outside, everything was wonderful. Right. I came from a family, too, that didn't really talk about things. So there wasn't this like open communication of like, you know, I'm struggling here. This is what's going on. So in my mind, this was happening for years and this unraveling was happening for years. But for them, it was this total shock and this unknown. And so when I was stepping into that, I had such a deep knowing that what I was doing was the right thing, that nothing could shake me. And there were moments of like, yes, I'm probably going to get kicked out of my tribe. Yes, I'm going to disappoint people. Yes, this is going to be probably the hardest time of my life because my family means everything to me. My tribe means everything, my community, my culture, all of it. And I knew this was going to take me down a route that was going to be painful but i also knew i didn't have to suffer in it because i knew what i was doing was the right thing and the reason why i knew that because i knew something was holding me something bigger because the moment i would try to question myself that voice would bring me back and i would get validation of like no you are on the right track and the biggest confirmation was this moment where I was sitting there and my entire family. And, you know, I come from an Indian family. So when I say entire family, it's grandparents, aunts, uncles, it's cousins, it's all of it, who were sitting in front of me and really playing out how my decision was affecting them. That was the aha moment for me. Like, huh, this really isn't even about me. It's about their stories and what they understand and the conditioning they have had. On themselves, and that's unraveling their everything. So they're scared. And it was almost like I was just hovering over that moment, just observing mm-hmm. everyone and what was happening. And that that moment solidified me even more. And it became even more steady. And yes, it was really hard. For two years, I didn't have access to my family the way I would before. But it was also the best time in my life because it gave me space to unravel, to unlearn, to do all of that and really find my own voice beyond all the noise that I had been hearing for years and years. And just seeing that they were all coming from a place of love to the best that they knew, right? So as soon as I stepped into that compassion and that empathy for them, everything shifted.
0: Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's start with they loved you the best that they knew how from their own right? Because I think, and that's powerful. Once we become the observer, mm-hmm. we're breaking generational conditions, masks, patterns. And think about that from, you know, the feminine energy, the, the internal patterns, programming, hormones, you know, you talk about that a lot, generations of unmasking. And I love that you, you know, you, took the space to understand. I may not have access to my family, but I know my knowing is that I'm unraveling generations of these beliefs. So let's dive a little deeper into how these belief systems, you know, do affect our hormones.
1: Mm-hmm yeah that starts from such a young age or you know even in the womb i speak to that in the book too how we change our phenotype and how we're going to be depending on the environment we're going to be stepping into and we get access to knowing that environment through our mother's hormones so her stress hormones or her thoughts or her voice and like just how she's living tells us the kind of world we're tapping into which then changes our hormonal foundation. So there's been studies done on Holocaust survivors, and they saw that all of the children that were born from them had adrenal insufficiency. So that means already their ability to respond to stress was depleted because of all the stress that that uh, that generation had to pass through or move through. So it starts at such a young age when like at age three to five, our DHEA, which is one of our main hormones um starts to kind of increase and if we're in an environment that might be a bit stressful or if we're in an environment that maybe we don't feel seen and heard it's kind of giving that dha information of how much should be produced and how little should be produced and dhea is a hormone that gets secreted and then transforms into testosterone or estrogen so these are all like the building blocks of this young woman now right and as she moves through her time where she's going through puberty and all these things and all all of this is shifting inside of her if she's observing her environment in a way that maybe there's stressor in her environment or maybe she's observing her parents and how they're dealing with life or maybe she's had her own, you know, micro T traumas or big T traumas, it's influencing her brain and telling her brain that, hey, we need to tap this into our memory so we know how to respond to this environment. So in that moment, the amygdala wakes up the limbic system where our emotions sit, wake up, and they're kind of scanning the environment, the smells, the sounds, the triggers, the everything that will then tell us in the future how we need to react. So now we're packaging all that and putting it into our memory system. So now fast forward, we could be watching a show. We could walk by somebody, there's a certain smell. We could be cooking something that creates a trigger around something that happened in the past. And in that moment, all of those centers wake up, and tell your hypothalamus and then your pituitary gland in your brain which hormones need to be secreted but in that moment it's a moment of stress so now we're going to secrete cortisol adrenaline that fight 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 flight freeze or please hormones instead of our progesterone testosterone and estrogen which are the hormones that help us thrive so now we're constantly stuck in this state of survival So when we're stuck in that state of survival, we're depleting these other hormones, which then will show up differently for every woman. For one woman, it might be PMS and irritability before her cycle, pain, uh, maybe breast tenderness, that may lead into like hot flashes, night sweats, fertility issues. It just shows up in so many different ways depending on a woman's foundation, but that trigger is often very similar. It's these like micro moments that have made us huge story in our brains that then influences our physiology and how we're responding and the actions we're taking now in life.
0: That's so powerful because if if we think about it, like we create stories in our reality, but Mm. but you're bringing awareness to, and thank you for that is the inner reality, right? The inner reality that our body stores through these these past stories, emotions. And I know in your book there there's a graph and and we talk about um prana, right? Mm. The life force of all the organs. I've been studying. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Uh, So we have a graph and and I want to dive into this because you know I I kind of not that I I I knew of this, but I feel like a lot of us are aware. The term is aware of this, but we maybe not we don't maybe believe in it so much. So Mm the fact that you're speaking out about it to let people know, like, this is real, this is not made up. You know, if we talk about anger, resentment, you know, they will go to the liver, grief, Mm -hmm. sadness, lungs, fear, kidneys, anxiety, spleen, joy, the heart, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And contemplation, also the heart and the spleen. So every time we feel those emotions, would you say that's, The part of the body, the organ that stores, you know, Mm -hmm. the memory?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, this comes from traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine as well, which are ancient medicines and philosophies and science. And they've really tapped into this idea of vibration. Right. So when we have an emotion, we're creating a certain vibration and then that vibration is then held in these organ systems. So, for example, liver, when there's anger or resentment, it's going to create more liver heat. So there's going to be more fire inside of you. So this individual maybe will have breakouts happen or their you know, liver is inflamed. So then there's going to be some constipation or diarrhea, like some IBS type of issues when everything is being stored in there um and also like the lungs we you know we can notice when we're in grief like we feel tightness in our chest right so the lungs are having to work a little bit harder because it's hard to breathe because we can't digest the this loss that we are dealing with and this loss could be a physical loss of someone it can also be a loss of identity and it could be a loss of an idea that we thought we had of how life is supposed to look and it sits in our lungs and then it manifests. So in Chinese medicine, it manifests in that meridian. So when you start to treat that meridian create more space and, you know, create a different vibration for that organ, it then also starts to change just the communication between that organ and the brain and the nervous system itself. One big one I've seen in women that, you know, have spent their whole life saying yes, to everything and taking care of everybody else will always have something going on in their ovaries, usually a cyst. Um, some even end up having ovarian cancer, like these, or fertility things, these things, because they get stored, this energy gets stored in that organ.
0: It's funny, because that kind of leads us to the next question of knowing, you know, our bodies based on, I guess you can say, archetypes, you know, and you're mm-hmm. you about out the duchess, damsel, diva, you know, and, and I took the quiz and and know before the show started, I, I told you I had a tie in one, yeah, lesser score in another. But when I read what they meant, I was more of the other, I was more, mm. of I had less of a score in which interesting, but, but let's talk about those types, you know, so anyone listening, because before we can heal, we need to know who we are. Yeah. And where we're at. So let's talk about the archetypes of, of women there are. So let's go into the Duchess first.
1: Yeah. So to give kind of a premise for all three of them, um, I tapped into something called the triangle of disconnect, because I feel like all dis-ease and discomfort in our world is based on our disconnect with ourselves and our environment. And so these represent parts of us, That we, or masks that we put on, roles that we take on in order to survive our moments. And we've been conditioned to put these on in order to live life in the known. So the Duchess is like the CEO, right? So she's um, she's got everything planned out. She's really good at creating schedules and sticking to it and making sure that everything is done in order and the way it's supposed to be. And she's always on the go, right? There's no moment to actually stop and breathe and eat and do all the necessary things that are foundational because she has something to prove to herself, right? Because maybe there was a moment in her life where she wasn't seen. Maybe there was a moment in her life that didn't feel safe in the unknown. So she's going to make sure that everything is in the known for her to be okay. So this woman, you know, may have challenges with sleep, may have challenges with IBS, may have challenges with anxiety as well. But on the outside, it's all okay, because she's controlling as much as she can. But her gift is to be also to be able to do that, right? That's also a gift to be able to tap into this strength. But it's when we get stuck in that role and that mask gets stuck on us, that's where we receive those challenges that I was just speaking to. So again, like each one of these archetypes, we probably play out in different moments of our life. Maybe you have to step into Duchess when you're working or creating a new business. So if we gather her strengths and step into it and then step out of it, that's where we can really play off of the gifts that she can give us.
0: I love that. And, and I was the 25 in Duchess, I believe.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah.
0: I'm Duchess. So what you just said was really interesting for me to hear from you, you know, cause I took the quiz that I read it, but you know, to yeah. hear you like that makes so much sense uh, for me, you know, being a single mom and, and, and mm. navigating through things, um, sometimes on the outside, I have to keep it together. Right. I can't fall apart, but, and so it's interesting for me to, to hear that. Um, so let's dive into the second one. So then we can bring them all together. Yeah. So the second one was the damsel, I believe. Right.
1: Yeah. The damsel. Yeah. So she, she's the, the heart of the family, right? So she's just taking care of everything. She doesn't say no So she puts everyone in front of her own needs. She's the one that's volunteering for everything. And from that, she's gaining some significance, right? So she's gaining some um, recognition of her role. And when we do that, that's where that resentment polarity shows up. When we're just taking care of the other and not really filling our own cup up, we're constantly depleting, depleting and depleting. And when we're in that space, that's there's usually some hidden resentment there and that's what's gonna get trapped in the ovaries or that's what's gonna get trapped in her thyroid because she's not able to use her voice to really express who she is so she may have been that child that was told you're better seen than heard or maybe your opinion didn't matter or maybe you were the last born and you know that your elder siblings kind of took all the attention that you maybe were craving for so there could be multiple reasons why we tap into this maybe there was a moment in our life where we had to um, shut our voice because we were in danger so there could be many many different reasons why we tap into the damsel Because from her heart, she wants to serve. She's the one that is like the heart of the community, the family. She's the one you can lean on at two in the morning when, you know, you're going through something. So she has such a gift of bringing people together. But when she's trapped in that giving to others rather than herself, again, that's where the challenges start to show up for her.
0: I want to, I want to focus on this one because I
1: feel
0: a lot of feminine energies Naturally, gravitate towards the caretaker role. Yeah. Serving others, you know, especially a lot of women that take on the role of a mother, right? So Mm -hmm. they automatically, we go into that, you know, our kids come before us. So that starts. And it's interesting because I know someone in my life who is very much like that and now. She has a thyroid, you know, mm-hmm. issue. So when you said that, I was like, wow, it describes her. And it's interesting because she does have a thyroid problem. So mm-hmm. to the woman listening, you know, in that current role now who put others first, what's something they can do to start shifting that energy mm-hmm. away from, you know, the negative effects that serving others Mm make
1: time on them yeah so the first thing is recognizing that we're doing that right and then also questioning our um, relationship to our self-worth like do we feel worthy of time do we feel worthy of those moments do we feel worthy of not eating our kids scraps but actually making a meal for ourselves right so answering that for ourselves and kind of unpacking where where the conditioning started like who did this who does this belong to? Did I watch my mother do the same thing? Is this coming from a place of like needing to be seen in a different way? So once we start to unpack that, you can start to do really simple things in your day to activate that part of yourself. It could be having a cup of tea by yourself and saying no to everything else, but that is your non-negotiable moment that is just for you. Because right there you start to train your brain like, oh, okay, she is worth taking care of right and then from that maybe you add on something else and I'm going to do five minutes of movement this is my non-negotiable right so you start bringing in these non-negotiables throughout your day and it could be in the middle of the day it could be whenever it could be you holding your child and all of a sudden you're doing calf raises it could be something so simple that you can stack on what you're already doing just to create or shift that relationship that your neurons have already created and now that that imprint that's in your brain, in your body of maybe not being worthy starts to totally dissolve or slowly dissolve because you're starting to take these like small moments for yourself.
0: I love that because a lot of the times people think it's like one big life change, you know, think about even new year's Mm -hmm. resolutions, everyone's writing them down and setting these goals and the expectations are so high that they fail. So anyone Mm -hmm. listening, You know, that was so profound, you know, even having a cup of tea and being with yourself, right? Like I do this, by the way, that was how I got my start when, when my world got busy, I, I did just that. So it's amazing. You said that I would just sit by myself, drink the tea. I would feel myself drinking the tea. Like I would feel, you know, Mm -hmm. feel the warmth going. Like I would feel the tea, not just, oh, I'm having tea. Like I would process my human is having tea. So I observed the experience of Mm -hmm. having the tea, which, you know, if you're listening and and you're not familiar with, you know, this in-depth spiritual part of this all, just start with something tiny as maybe having tea or even taking a walk. You know, if you take a walk, look up, don't take a walk on your, just on your phone, put, you know, put your phone away and look at the sky. Like, look at the trees. Like I always tell people, look at the distance between you and the sky. Mm. Think about how much energy is between you and that sky and think about how much love is in between you and the sky, right? Like get to feel the source energy, like start with that. And and, and I want to go into the diva also because a funny story when I was reading it and I was taking the test, I'm like, oh god, I'm like, I don't want to be the diva because the term diva. But <laughs> then I read what it means, I was like, wait a minute, maybe I am diva. So let's dive into the diva because I would love to hear it from you. Like, tell me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was thinking that when I wrote that one down, that there might be some like negative connotation with that word. But I mean, who doesn't want to be the diva, though? You have every right to be the diva when we start to unpack her gifts, Mm -hmm. right? So the diva is very expansive. So the damsel we saw kind of looked at everything as everything's kind of half full. I'm not sorry, empty. Whereas for the diva, everything's half full, right? So there's like rainbows and butterflies everywhere as they should be. However, that's mostly on the outside, unfortunately. And often she's hiding um, her real self inside. And on the outside, everything is about perfection. So perfection is what drives her. Perfection is where she got rewarded. Perfection was where she found love and connection. So when she doesn't have that, that's usually what starts to bring up, again, those challenges. But her gift is to elevate everyone around her. Like she's the center of the party, right? So she's the one that can, differently than the damsel, right? This one is gonna really elevate absolutely everyone around her. She's gonna see the gift in everything and everyone, which also can sometimes be a challenge, because then the boundaries aren't always there, trust, um also gets challenged so but she really does see the good in everything which is such a beautiful beautiful gift and there's that other side to it when she's not really looking inwards she can't really look at the shadow that might be hovering around her which is also a part of her gift but maybe it's too scary to look at what has happened or what could happen so for her if she is able to tap into more of that shadow aspect of her and that energy that we all carry with us, that is when she's going to really thrive.
0: That Yeah. And I was to, even, even you saying that I'm like, I'm totally <laughs> the diva. And it's interesting because, you know, I, as you mentioned, I had to understand that, you know, even the word diva, mm-hmm. you know, Nothing wrong with that if we embody it in a positive way, just like you just said. Mm-hmm. And t- Let's talk about shadow work for anyone that's listening and doesn't understand, mm-hmm. you know, what is or how can, you know, a diva or anyone listening start to observe, understand the shadow
1: yeah. Yeah, so really understanding the polarities that live within us, like the yin and the yang, right? The, the dark and the light. So light can't exist without darkness. And this darkness can often come up as shadow emotions, like shame, like guilt envy some of these jealousy these aspects of ourselves that are within us but we often don't want to look at them because society has told us not to and when we don't look at them that is when it grows even bigger within us that's when it comes back years later to show us that this is work that needs to happen but if we tap into those emotions and understand them and learn from them You know, like, where is this shame actually coming from? What story am I carrying with me? What mask am I wearing right now that needs to be unleashed so that I can release this shame? Why is guilt a part of my psyche? You know, what does a mother need to do in order to release the guilt that we carry with us often every single day? So what these shadow emotions do is they give us opportunity to learn more and more about ourselves so that we can express more light. But what we often do as a society is to just pack them away and not want to look at them. But that is where the suffering begins, I think, when we're not looking at them, we're not mulching, all of that is that's you know created who we are in this moment, because that also is a part of our story. So unless we can actually unravel the story, look at the story and accept it, we can never have acceptance for ourselves or the other.
0: It's interesting because I, I I feel like when I started to observe my shadow, mm-hmm. I realized the more I didn't observe the shadow, I guess you can say I was bypassing a lot of spiritual information too, because mm-hmm. of the mask. I was like, I'm just I'm just having a reaction to my day because this is what's happening. Right. But it was like, is that what's happening or is this an internal pattern programming that's on autoplay? having the same response, but it came from a long time ago and it's embodied in my nervous system, which made me realize as I started to heal the body, interestingly enough, takes longer to catch up than even spirit, which was interesting for Mm -hmm. me. And then I really became the observer there because I was like, Oh no, you're 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 operating from the old system. I was like, <laughs> you can't do that. So it was interesting when I stepped into the observer, and I don't know for me personally, and I don't know if it's something you went through or the more I did the shadow work, the more I had an ego death.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: And the ego death was interesting because so many times I was like. I didn't understand what ego meant, but I realized the ego was just my conscious with full human expectations, with full human conditions, with full human programming systems. Mm-hmm. And then when, and I say the veil of being a human, because <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. I, I don't know what I am at this point. <laughs> you know, I'm like, um, this is my vehicle.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: Um, you know, when that veil came off, and I had the ego death, I was suddenly really in the observer. So Mm -hmm. do you believe that the more we do the shadow work and understand where those feelings are coming from, from a spiritual perspective, we do shift more into the observer?
1: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I think that's everything. So in shamanic medicine, we talk about like the ego perspective. so hovering over the experience instead of being caught up in it and as you hover over it you have this eagle eye vision so you can really tap in and focus or you can go broader and look at all the different perspectives and the different lenses and the more you do that the easier it is to remove yourself from in the the shamanic world they call it the triangle of disempowerment So you remove yourself from being the victim the bully or the rescuer you remove yourself from these roles and you're really just observing what's happening within you and like you were saying there's there could be ego death it could be or or a different relationship with that conscious human experience because in this human form we need that but we can look at it and understand that oh this is just all about survival i don't need to just survive if i'm going to thrive I can accept these other parts of me and work on these other things to really expand my vision and understand that this isn't all of me, right? There's so many elements to me. There's so many angles to me. And that, again, I think the overarching theme with that, it brings in self-acceptance, then self-love and self-care. So it changes the actions you take every day because of that. Like I like to always seed a um, question for people, is this going to nourish me? The more we do that, the more we come into that observer seat when we're stepping into action with something, whether it's choosing a food, whether it's choosing something to watch, whether it's choosing a conversation or a friendship or relationship, it just all of a sudden creates that pause moment. And now you become the observer and you start to understand and recognize why you do what you do and what drives you to do what you do.
0: So what you just said, I just had like a wow moment because Mm. I... I became the observer slowly, right? You know, and I didn't observe everything right away. So for anyone listening, it didn't just happen. And all of a sudden I was a perfect observer. That's not, you know, what I meant or how it happened. It started with observing one situation, another situation. And I'll tell you what happened recently. And, and, and I want to say this because you just kind of said it. I was eating a sandwich and I don't have bread often. Mm-hmm. I was eating the sandwich and the observer, the conscious was like, Well, what's in this bread? (laughs) Like, (laughs) you need this bread? Like, and all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm eating like cardboard because it's not nourishing me. Like all of a sudden I had that moment. I was like, I was like, Mm. oh my god, I'm eating bread. And like it's not nourishing me. Like, could I have maybe had a cute, you know? So it was funny to me in that moment because here I was eating, and all of a sudden my my observer decided to like step into my my sandwich. (laughs) And it was like, well pay attention to that bread. Mm. Like, what is like, is it? And that was the question exactly. What is it nur- yeah. is that bread nourishing you where I went into like full panic. I was like, Oh my God, how <laughs> do you said that? Cause when you said I was like, that yeah. happened to me yeah. for anyone listening, just start to observe things slowly. Again, it's a process, right? Mm. Observe one situation, observe how, You maybe handle the situation, observe where that emotion came from, where that thought came from, because the more you observe, I think, and I tell people, the more we observe what we're doing is we are creating new neural pathways, but I like to say we're also planting new seeds, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're starting to observe the little things, like in the past, if I would have an argument with someone, I'd be reactive. I would then have shame guilt for myself versus compassion for myself and saying in that moment, I reacted from an old limiting, you know, Mm -hmm. belief or conditioning and I can have compassion for myself versus the guilt. Because I think if we go into guilt, we're also not understanding the shadow work. I think having Mm -hmm. compassion for the shadow helps, you know, bring it to light, I guess you can say. So, but I do want to ask you a question because I was doing the quiz and something about commitment. So, mm. where in our body? Because I am a little bit of a commitment phobe. <laughs> mm. Where yeah. in the body is mm. that? You know, come from, or how yeah. did that make its way to me? And I don't. And I don't mm. mean my career. I mean with romance. I I know I've had traumas in the past, but at this, yeah. point, I've I'm kind of at this place where I am maybe the diva, or you know, Mm. I'm so half full that I'm afraid someone's gonna half empty me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I want to dive into that. Yeah, that's a beautiful question. Um, So when I think commitment, there's a level of trust that was lost, right? Mm -hmm. So I find the more self trust we bring into ourselves, the easier it becomes to trust another and to really trust that voice. Because when you really start to trust that voice and that voice becomes louder than the noise, it then drives you into moments where you can understand if you can trust that moment or that individual. And the more you can trust, the more you can commit. And often that comes from a place of like first chakra work, right, our root. So when the roots been shaken up and what I find, especially with women, if there's been, you know, a trauma or a challenge with a father archetype or a male archetype, somebody in our life um, of more of that Yang energy, because when we look at the yin and the yang and their roles in our world, the yang is supposed to be the container, whereas the the yin is like the dance with the divine within that, right? Being able to be free and flowing and soft and all those things, and also strong and steady because we also have feminine yang part of us too, like that female warrior, but that yang component in our life, when we look to it outside of ourselves is the container of safety. So whenever that safety was challenged, that's where I find commitment is challenged. Trust is challenged. Self-value is challenged and worth. And then the more we build that self-trust within us, the easier it becomes to commit to life. Yeah.
0: Wow. That is powerful. That is powerful. And to anyone listening or going through something similar, you know, self-trust is, it, it's funny because that's, I guess what I'm, you know, cause the process, the observer, as I said, it's, we're observing things slowly. So, mm-hmm the more I'm learning to trust myself, but also the more I'm learning to trust the divine, my connection to the divine, the more I'm not bypassing spiritual information, the more I'm listening to that intuition or source, God, universe, the more I'll be able to recognize, you know, what relationships or relationship, sacred union Mm. is... Flows with me, I guess you can say, because now I'm observing and trusting my my human, my vehicle. So uh, that's powerful. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, what is because I know there's a triangle that you wanted us to draw in the book of how Mm. you can understand all parts of all three. So if we dive into that, so if someone's listening. Mm how they can figure out which one they are besides the quiz or which parts of mm. they need to work on.
1: Yeah, you can just kind of observe the roles that you're playing in your life, right? And then tap into those archetypes and list them around that archetype to see where they are, where they maybe overlap, where maybe you come out of one and step into another, again, then that you become that eagle. You become the observer when you start to write all of these down of like, wow, this is how I operate in life. And then asking yourself this question, if everybody I knew in my entire life was in one room, which one would I behave like? Who would I tap into? What archetype will I where or step into in order to make it through that experience. So it helps you just to understand where those roles are helping you and serving you and where they might be depleting you.
0: I have a question for that. What if they're, mm. you know, someone listening and they realize that question, which is powerful. If If you were in a room with everyone you knew, who would you be? What if there's someone who says with this group I'm this is that possible also
1: oh absolutely I think we all do that yeah so that's where you can understand okay well am I using her gifts in that moment is that why so if I'm at work say I'm in like a very male oriented corporation and I need to step into my duchess to really bring out that warrior and that power am I using her gifts or is that depleting me so it'll help you just question, okay, so if I need to step into her, what self-care practices can I bring into my life to bring softness in? So maybe, you know, after doing that, I, there's something that I do for myself that's very, like, feminine that will bring more softness to balance that out so that that duchess doesn't burn me out because I need her in order to survive that scenario.
0: I love that. I love that. So if anyone listening, you know, become aware start becoming the observer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this will make a tremendous shift as, you know, your book, Woman Unleashed, great book for anyone listening, definitely highly recommend it, talks about we can change our health by understanding our internal system. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
0: So I wanted to just say, once again, thank you so much for doing the show with me, but I want people to be able to find you on social media. So can mm. you tell us where can we find you on social media?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Instagram, Facebook, all, all my handles are Dr. Sonia Jensen. So you can find me there.
0: And I wanted to close this with we shift when we shift, the world shifts. So I wanted to thank you for being someone who's helping others shift. Thank you so much for doing this.